it's time to get real about today's hiring landscape. The ability to find, attract, and hire great people has become more vital to a company's success than ever before. That's why we need talent makers who prioritize innovative, more diverse, equitable, and inclusive hiring practices that put people first. On the Greenhouse Talent Makers podcast, we're celebrating the work of leaders dedicated to cultivating incredible talent. Join me, Mika Gabreas, Senior Manager of Editorial Content at Greenhouse, as I sit down with talent makers who are changing the game in hiring. Today, I'm joined by leading talent makers who champion inclusive hiring across their organizations. I'm chatting with Judy Jackson, President at JLC Ventures and former Head of Culture and Engagement at WPP, alongside Tyler DeBoard, Global Director of Talent Partnerships at WPP. We'll explore the positive effects of workplace representation, not only on employees' work lives, but on their whole selves. We'll also talk about how to avoid one-and-done DE&I hiring programs and how to instead create lasting impact. Please welcome Judy Jackson and Tyler DeBoard. Hello, I am joined today by two iconic leaders who have both worked together at WPP, which is an incredible creative transformation advertising agency. So before we dive into our conversation, I would just love if the two of you could give us a quick little intro. So why don't we start with you, Judy, if you could give us your pronouns and your current role and what you're doing now. Pronouns is she, her. And about three weeks ago, I started my own company, which is JLC Ventures, which does stand for Judy Loves Culture because that is what I love. And I've been fortunate enough to get a lot of that training being at WPP and building culture for 109,000 employees. And really, I think with me and my team and people like Tyler, trying to create a place where all people can thrive and feel like they can belong. So hopefully I could bring that same passion and energy to other companies as well. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing, Judy. And Tyler, why don't you give us a quick intro? So just your your name and pronouns and your current role. Awesome. I am Tyler. I use he, him pronouns. And I actually started in advertising in the creative department and then kind of moved into recruiting by accident. And in my current role, I work as the global director of talent partnerships at WPP, which basically just means I work with external organizations and partner together to try to bring new pipelines of talent into WPP across some of our big diversity pillars, and then really work with Judy to make sure that as we're bringing in talent into the agencies, that there's a holistic kind of approach to the development and the growth and the learning and just the kind of ongoing inclusion that we do. Yes, doing the most important work, quite honestly. So I would also love to know a bit more about both of your background. So so Judy, why don't we start with you? Why are you really passionate about DE&I hiring practices? Well, you have to understand, Mika, I've been in this business a long time, so I've seen a lot. And being a black woman, I have seen the highs and lows of working in this business and working in any business. Growing up in the 70s and being part of the Angela Davis movement to some degree, I've always had a passion for uh, standing up for what's right, for looking out for others. I mean, it's really hard growing up in this era or the eras that I grew up in and not wanting to see change. Although I may not be able to see change or make change in the world, I can make change in the areas where I show up and work is a place where I show up a lot. So I take this work very personally. I take the opportunity to change lives and make lives better very personally. And it fills my heart and soul when I know that what I've done has made life better for someone in some meaningful way. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's absolutely beautiful. And I think it's it's so important to kind of stay rooted into where you've come from. Um, and that only helps you do your job even better. And I think that's incredible work. And what about you, Tyler? So why are you passionate about DE&I hiring practices and, and doing this work? You know, I it, it, diversity has just been proven over and over and over to be the best thing for business, honestly. And I think for us, especially being in advertising, everything is kind of fueled by creativity, everything that we do, certainly everything we do at WPP. And for real creativity and innovation, you just have to have people who are different at the table and on set and behind the scenes and kind of all around the process. And inclusion and diversity is kind of like a foundation of innovation and creativity. So for the creative departments that I have been in in the past or that I've witnessed that are homogenous, there's not a lot of innovation or creativity coming out of those at all. For me, I feel like whenever I've done my best work, I've really felt most included and empowered and kind of celebrated on the teams that I'm on. And so for a lot of people, for most people, really, it's it's not an option. You're mm-hmm. kind of put into this little box and they stifle your creativity and they tell you what is acceptable and what's professional. And that's just not how we're going to get any major innovation or, or transformation across, you know, an organization as well. So it's just good for business and it's just a really boring world without it, honestly. <laughs> it's so boring. Yes, it's absolutely true. I mean, diversity truly, truly drives revenue. So all those people who are saying, you know, oh, diversity is just not a priority for us right now. It absolutely should be a priority. It's not just altruistic. It is absolutely essential for business success. So if you're listening, you've heard it here first. (laughs) And kind of moving on from that, too, obviously, the two of you used to work together at WPP. And now, Judy, you're at JLC, Queen Boss Energy. And so I would love to hear about your experience together at WPP. So how did the two of your teams work together to create company programs with with lasting impact that actually matters and that is is going to be something that really makes a difference for people. Well, I think for me, the beauty about having Tyler on board is that he makes the programs that we create that could sometimes be one and done. For people, you know, you go through these training programs and you do it for a month, a week, whatever it is, and then they're over. And you make this promise to people, particularly underrepresented groups, to to grow their career. And what Tyler's programs do is take that training and then really actualize it. So, for example, one of the programs that I created was this program called Elevate, which is a 10-week program for black women because, you know, studies have shown McKinsey, Lena, and others that black women are suffering the most in corporate America and the most likely to leave. So we created this program to address that and give them their voice and elevate their careers. But after those 10 weeks, then what? So with Tyler, you know, he makes sure that those Elevate graduates get on panels. They go to Ad Color, Colorcom. They're highlighted in various programs and things that they do inside or outside of WPP. So we not only elevate them during that 10-week program, but we elevate their profile outside of the company as well. And Tyler is committed to making that happen. The beauty about Tyler is that he just doesn't say we're going to help. He just does it, and he does it quietly without a lot of fanfare. That's pretty you know, unusual in our business. People generally want the accolades and the fanfare. And he just does it because not only is the right thing to do, it's what's best for the company and best for the individual. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I- I'm also thinking about that the work that the two of you 
are doing and currently in the process of doing and doing in the future is is so impactful. And I, I know, Judy, in the, one of our previous conversations, you had mentioned the work that you're doing for veterans. And I, I would love to hear more about that. Or maybe that was you, Tyler, who, yeah. who did some of that work. Yeah, yeah, yeah we work together on everything. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> but, but Tyler's truly the mastermind. And I, I will say, I have to say this, that, you know, Tyler had been with the company for maybe two months and took advantage of our racial equity program, which is a fund of about $30 million for three years to devote to programs for underrepresented groups. And, you know, generally, if you're in a company for two months, you're not going to take the ball and run with it. Well, I was on, you know, the committee to identify the programs we would actually fund, and he did an incredible job. But I'll leave the rest <laughs> to him yes. to explain. When I was coming in, it, it was really the first program that I heard about as I was coming into WPP, actually. And I think I have worked in recruiting for for a while, and and as a recruiter, I think you know what it feels like when you're selling something and you're aware that there's a dissonance between what you're selling to candidates and what you're bringing them into. And programs like Elevate, having those was so amazing because as we're, you know, opening up these pipelines and bringing new types of talent into WPP, I want to know as a recruiter that we actually are the right place for them to come and that we're not just going to bring you in and kind of drop you in and hope you can fend for yourself. But programs like Elevate and the other ones that help with that kind of ongoing support, it just, to me as a recruiter, it proves what I what I believe in, I think, and makes it a lot more fun to do the job, honestly. And I think candidates are looking for that kind of specifics, honestly, things that are really tailored towards specific groups. I know we had a conversation when I first got there, Judy, actually when you just all go around the room and make sure that we were comfortable saying that we were creating for Black communities specifically because we use the word BIPOC a lot. We talk about underrepresented a lot, but what are we actually doing to create for really specific groups? And so I just know in recruiting, like candidates are looking for that kind of specificity. And, and as a recruiter, you have to be able to deliver that a lot of times too. So Elevate to me, it was amazing just to get the opportunity. I still talk to Sabrina and and Tafe and so many of those women every day. I'm talking to Sabrina later today as well. But to be able to give the platform to people who deserve it, honestly, is just such a fun job to have. And then, like I said, being able to bring people in and have this more ecosystem, I'll say, of like support is really amazing. Yeah. May I add though? Absolutely. One other thing that you mentioned that I think is key is us learning to be comfortable with language. You know, for you know, we did a lot of in the past, a lot of safety. You know, BIPOC diverse talent versus saying, you know, we need to hire more black people or mm-hmm. black women are having an issue or Asian American people are having issues around being considered as leaders. Really having the tough conversations, and I do want to point out one person on your team, Natasha Avery. She mentioned in a meeting once we have these. Uh, big recruiting meetings where all the recruiters come together as a community. And she mentioned um, and asked me a question that she met a black woman who they were hiring and she told her, you know, you're going to be the only one on the team that's like you. You know, how does that feel? Are you okay with that? That And she wanted to know, was that okay? Like, wow, that was really okay. That was brave and okay. And then it opened it up for us to talk about how do we make sure that person doesn't feel alone? And what are the things we put in place to guard against that? But I applauded her for being courageous to have that kind of conversation that I don't think you would have had three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree, too. And especially for myself, too. I am also a black woman. And in this space that is so often dominated by straight, cisgendered white men, it is very hard to kind of be in that space, too. And so it is so important for companies to do everything that they can to make people feel included and make them feel safe. And this is obviously, once again, not just an altruistic thing to do, but 
you're going to have incredible turnover if you aren't doing everything in your power to make people feel included in these spaces. And I think that's so great to hear the work that both of you are doing to help people from those historically underrepresented communities. And so when we think about things like DE&I, Obviously, when people hear that, they think of things in a lens of, okay, well, there's race and there's gender. It's hard for people to think of things in a different way as well. And so sometimes we have to think about those people in communities who are so often forgotten. And that's why I think the work that we're doing for veterans is really important and and things like fair chance hiring is very important as well. I know at Greenhouse, we partnered with companies like Checker, who is doing incredible work for fair chance hiring. Also, for those of people who are not familiar with what fair chance hiring is. That is hiring people who may have criminal records. And actually, if you think about it, there has been plenty of data and studies that have shown that one third of the U.S. population has a criminal record of varying degrees. And so obviously a huge percentage of that falls on historically underrepresented minorities. And that's Specifically, I'm calling out data from the Sentencing Project, which reveals that black men are six times more likely to be incarcerated than white men, and Hispanic men are 2.5 times more likely than white men. And obviously, that's a huge problem in itself due to racial bias in the criminal justice system. All of this is like a whole, it could be a whole other podcast. And whether convicted or not, these people often face significant stigma when trying to find a job or reenter the workforce after serving a prison sentence. And so giving these groups of people a fair shot, you're not only having access to an untapped talent pool, but, you know, with a unique experience, but you're also positively impacting lives and making incredible differences on lives. And so for both of you, I would really love to know, like, what is a moment where you knew that the programs that you were building were really making a difference and not just on people's work lives, but on their whole selves. And I know that you can probably think of specific examples of, of people that you've impacted, but and it's obviously very rewarding, but I would love to know, you know, what is that moment that you've had where you realize that these programs are really, really making a difference on people's whole selves? Yeah, I mean, I I thought a lot about this question, actually, and I think there are so many programs that we're lucky enough to, to sponsor and partner with. A lot of them kind of focused on bringing new talent into the ad industry entirely. And as I've gotten to, to mentor and, and speak and just meet all these amazing students, for me, I am hearing a lot back from especially the the queer students who finally see somebody who looks like them or sounds like them. And that, I think it's hard for me not to kind of see myself on the other side of it, honestly. I, I mentioned earlier, but when I started in advertising, even coming into the industry, I was actually told, don't come out to anyone for at least a year because you might get fired. And there was nobody that I could see that could kind of invalidate that as as like the narrative for me. Maybe even a year and a half into the industry, I could already tell I wasn't getting to present my own ideas to the clients. I wasn't really taken seriously in the creative department. And I actually tried to to leave. I went to the recruiter who had hired me and said, I don't think this is for me. And she basically said, well, let me let me try to keep you and let me give you a chance to become a recruiter and you can start to interview and, and look at books and really kind of went from being myself totally overlooked and invisible in the creative department to being the recruiter at the agency where I'm the first person people are talking to when they come in. And so for me, it, it was like a humongous transformation. And it started at work, but I don't know who I would be or where I would be or what I'd be doing if I didn't have that kind of an opportunity and, and somebody who really kind of took me and empowered me in the way that Judy has when I'm at WPP as well. That really makes you feel like you are worth something and you should be celebrated. And I just know for me, it transformed everything. And I think that's where you're always going to see the efforts that you have as a person or the programs that you're building as an organization really start to make a big impact is when you see people who 
their own beliefs about themselves and the stigmas and how how I saw myself totally changed. And I think when you see that with one individual, you'll see it with more individuals and then you see it across a whole organization. And when you see people see themselves differently. I think that's when you can tell that the program is really firing on all cylinders. Yes. When you see people see themselves differently. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. And I will say the person who gave me that chance is still my boss to this day at WPP. I have followed her and I always will. Shannon Mormon, shout out to her. But, uh, you know, those kind of empowerers, I think, to have in an organization, Judy, is is very much that as well, a celebrator and a, a maximizer, I think. Yeah. I, w- I would love to hear from you, Judy, you as know, well. As Tyler was talking, there are two things that came to my mind. One is, some years ago, I was at a company that I left, and uh, about a year and a half later, they asked me to come back in this huge global role. And I talked to the CEO of that company, and I asked them, why would you want me back? You know, the people that are at the table are graduates of Ivy League schools. They come from McKinsey at that time, Arthur Anderson, I don't fit. And this is going back maybe 12, 13 years ago. And the CEO said to me, that's why I didn't want you back, because you're not not like that. And that was an aha moment for me that I had value, that even though I was different, my difference was an added plus. And, you know, we talk about culture ad. I think that was an aha for me, um, that I don't have to be ashamed that I don't have all those credentials, but embrace what I do bring. Yeah, that's incredible. Time for a quick break. When we come back, more of my conversation with Judy and Tyler. Willow is a video interviewing platform shaking up the way businesses hire the best and brightest talent. Willow believes that your location and background should not restrict how far you'll go. We call this inclusive prosperity. With Willow, You can look beyond a CV and get to know your candidates in a simple, structured way at a time that suits everyone. Learn more about this philosophy in our blog post, Using Video Technology to Improve Diversity in the Workplace. In it, we explain why a diverse company isn't just good for job seekers, it's also good for business. Willow's innovative approach to candidate screening is breaking down the barriers of traditional interviewing processes, helping you build a more diverse and inclusive workforce from step one. And Willow's interview software seamlessly integrates with over 4,000 different applications, including Greenhouse. Learn more about Willow and read the blog post by visiting the link in the show notes. Welcome back, y'all. Let's get into more of my conversation with Judy Jackson and Tyler DeBoard. One thing that we saw, obviously, like back in 2020 with Black Lives Matter, is companies maybe caring or at least caring for the moment or pretending to care. You know who you are. (laughs) And they may think, well, I put out that statement or, you know, I I changed our company's social media to that black square. And, you know, I sat through a bias training. And as you mentioned earlier, Judy, companies can often have a one and done approach. So how can companies begin to make change that that actually matters? How do we take them like one step further than what a lot of companies are originally thinking. And I would love if either of you have anything to share on that. Yeah, I mean, one thing I will say is one and done, I think, in the best possible circumstances is when you're able to be very strategic about your hiring. In in theory, you could be able to forecast where your open roles are going to be and then create maybe smaller, more custom programs around 
what are the communities of talent that we need and then what are the skill sets we can give them on, on the way in. I think the worst of the one and dones is like you said, where it's checking a box or it's PR and there's no substance behind it. I'll say we mentioned veterans earlier. The thing that really brought me to WPP more than anything else was their $30 million investment in the Racial Equity Program Fund. And and really, I think the key to success for anyone is they're allowing employees every six months to pitch ideas to them. And then Judy and, and this council of leaders were choosing who are the, the projects that we're going to fund? Who are we going to actually empower to create these ideas? I think listening to your employees about what do they want? What do they need to create? And one thing I really liked about the program as well was part of the submission was you have to actually show three years of growth of the program. So it's not just here is the first iteration, one and done, but it's, okay, next year, here's how we're going to grow that. And then the year after that, here's how we're going to grow. A lot of times I think thinking about, okay, maybe we're going to start focusing on veterans, but then how do we create a program that then encompasses, you know, the spouses of veterans? And then how do we create an even bigger program that brings in an even bigger pipeline of talent? So it's going into the uh, creation of a program with the mindset that this will be a program that will continue to live on and and with the the hope and the, the plan really to continue to make it better over time. Mm, yeah, absolutely. People and companies, if you're listening, put your money where your mouth is, please. <laughs> and hold yeah. yourselves accountable. And hold yourself accountable. You know, because what we often do is create a program or respond to something that's happening in the world yeah. and do that one thing or check it off our list or feel that 2020 has passed. So, you know, we've responded to the George Floyd murder. So I think we're, we're good now, right? And I've heard leaders say that. I've heard leaders say that, no, we're, we're, we're good because we did X, Y, and Z. But it's not a sustained process within their system. It's not a sustained process in the way in which you're hiring, even as simple as having committees of people that are diverse that are hiring people, even as simple as not requiring degrees, even as simple as saying, do you really need 12 years of experience? Really checking our biases at the door, even those of us that are in underrepresented groups, all of us checking our biases at the door. I know I had a bias of making of hiring people who were just as enthusiastic and, you know, uh, ex- extroverted as I am, realizing that that, too, is a bias. You know, so being open to different types of people and not feeling that there is a prescriptive way in which someone has to be from a certain school, a certain background, a certain personality, even looking internally and realizing that there may be gems inside your company and you just might need to invest a little bit more to accelerate their career and not immediately think, although I know we're talking about hiring, thinking that you have to hire someone from the outside. So continually being open and encouraging people on your teams and in the company to question the assumptions, you know, make it safe to question. And if we could do that, I think we could be so much better. I absolutely love that you've mentioned that and shared that, too. And I feel like that's giving people such great advice to take away from this conversation. And that's actually something that I have a question for you, Tyler. Obviously, there's so many things that we can all be doing, and specifically people who are recruiters, they get trained on how to do this really well, or at least hopefully they are getting trained on how to do it really well. But when it comes to the other group of big hirers, that's hiring managers. So do you have any advice for them for something that hiring managers should be keeping in mind when working with recruiters to diversify their hiring? Because obviously, a lot of people who've worked in the TA space kind of know what to look for when it comes to DE&I. But do you have any specific advice for hiring managers for things they should be keeping in mind when hiring? 
I would say in general, as recruiters, you know, we we talk a lot about transferable skills. That is actually for the veteran program that we're putting together. It's really just based on the idea that as a veteran coming out of the military, you already have all the skills you need to succeed. You're overseeing teams. You're working across different skill sets. You're in a very high pressure situation, more than any environment in an ad agency could be. So that's, I think, the first piece is how are you actually working with your hiring teams not to look for what do they have on their resume? And a lot of things that are going to be on a resume just because of the nature of the industry that we're in and the world that we're in, it's it's generation after generation of inequity. And so anything you see on a resume is really just compounded by by that kind of history as already. Um, we have said in our team, actually, if, if your hiring team is looking for certain specifics in a resume, they're looking for privilege in the resume without really realizing it. I think that is a, a an understanding hiring managers would do very well to take. If you're a recruiter, your hiring manager asks you to think like a hiring manager all the time. And I think if you are asking them to think like a recruiter, what I would say is we can continue to look for the same specifics in the resume. We can continue to go after this very small talent pool, just kind of by after generations of that inequity, like I said, or we can create our own pipelines where there's no competition for us. We're just creating and generating opportunities and also really the opportunity for us as a company to make sure that everyone coming in has exactly the skills that they need to actually succeed long term. So there's a responsibility, I think, on the part of the hiring manager to look at not just what are the skills that are lacking in their team, but what are the perspectives that are lacking in their team and investing in that. Because, like we said, if diversity is actually the foundation to a lot of success, Lacking those perspective, I guess, is is an investment on the hiring manager's part to make sure that they're bringing in maybe not the skill sets that they think they need, but sometimes there are programs that are built like Elevate, like the veteran program that we're building. I think where those exist, they're really vital in how you're bringing in new talent. But sometimes it's really just like a hiring manager and a recruiter and then a candidate who, if they have a little bit of mentorship and a little bit of investment and just a little bit of time, they actually are the right person for the job, but it is a responsibility on the part of the hiring team to start investing in not just the skill sets that they need, but in those perspectives that they're really lacking for the team too. And that is, you know, ultimately the hiring manager is the decision maker. So if they're not planning on mentoring and growing and and if we're not building those systems of inclusion as well, then we're not really thinking about retention. And if we're not thinking about retention, we're really not thinking about recruiting in a way that is going to cause any sort of long-term change as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wish that we could see ourselves because I've been snapping and nodding this entire time. But I think that's such great actionable advice that you've just given. And so I can't wait for people to take a listen to all of this. Um, I can say one more thing as well. Just because I think the beauty of the beauty of what Judy has done, at least for me, I'll never forget that that meeting where you challenge us all to go around and and just say black back to you. Um, (laughs) Yes, Judy. But it is it's the beauty, I think, of of those specifics of building for specific communities At, at WPP. We have these five pillars of diversity, which is race and ethnicity, gender, LGBT, ability, and then veterans. But within each of those, you know, I am a white gay man. So I think there's a lot of companies that would say, yeah, when it comes to LGBT equality, like we got it. But if you take out all the white gay men, do you really have anyone left most of the time? And I think within, you know, within race and ethnicity, what are we doing for indigenous groups within gender? We have a program called Visible Start that is just for women over 45 who have left advertising uh, and want to come back or who want to come in for the first time to the industry. So within each of the pillars, you know, within disability, there's also neurodivergence and there's chronic illness. So I think being very specific about, you know, let's be as specific as we can about the groups that we need to empower. And and I think that's what exactly Elevate has done and Ascend, which is for AAPI women and, and other programs that are developing too. Yeah. I'd add that as a hiring manager, remember your job is just beginning. 
when you're hiring someone and you don't want to keep recruiting for that job. So invest in the development, the recognition, the appreciation, the training of that person you're bringing on board. Don't let them just fend for themselves. Be their coach, be their mentor, maybe even be their sponsor as well. But certainly recognize that your job is just beginning. Mm -hmm. That's the T. And I know that we are kind of coming up on the end of the conversation here. And so you both have given such amazing advice to everyone. And I want to just wrap up with a very quick 30 seconds. And we can start with you, Judy. If listeners could walk away with only one key piece of advice about DE&I hiring or about being a great talent maker, what would you want them to know? You know, particularly in this world of still the pandemic we still live in and still being hybrid and still feeling somewhat distant to people, I think what I want people to know is that it's even more important to be human. It's even more important to get to know people. We're all not alike. Not all black people are alike. Not all gay people are alike. Not all, you know, not not all women are alike. Not all white men are alike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so take your time to get to know people, whether it's that candidate, whether it's that employee that you've had for five years. But recognize that we are humans in a human environment and treat ourselves as such. You know, the old golden rule of treat people the way you want to be treated is no longer the rule. You have to treat people the way they want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Yeah. And what about you, Tyler? What would you add? If listeners could only walk away with one key piece of advice, what would you tell them? I would say it it requires not just a, a strategy about how you're bringing in the talent, but it. I mean, you have to, as a talent leader, try to work with your inclusion teams and with your learning and development teams and with every team that kind of is responsible for every part of the employee experience, because otherwise, you know, you are just bringing in talent and you're not setting them up to succeed, which you know, ultimately, culturally is bad. And also just in terms of business as a recruiter, uh, like I said, if you're not building retention into your recruiting strategy, it's a very, very bad recruiting strategy. So not only how are you identifying ways of bringing that talent in, but what is there for them to continue to grow and to develop when you're there? It's, yes, you can you can work very hard to get people into the building, but once they're there, they're immediately going to be looking for what's next for me and how do I continue to grow here or do I need to go elsewhere to continue to grow? Mm-hmm. You see what makes Tyler so special? <laughs> I absolutely do. I see what makes both of you so special. <laughs> and that's why I'm so happy that we had both of you here on this conversation because I feel like there's just so much amazingness for people to take away from the conversation. So thank you both so much for joining us today. I am so grateful that we were able to be here in person for this too. Thank you for inviting us. Thank we you. Fun. Thank you so much, Judy and Tyler, for this inspiring conversation. And thank you to all of our listeners. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen if you like this episode. If you didn't, don't worry about it. Learn about how Greenhouse promotes inclusivity and embraces diverse perspectives in our product, culture, and our community by visiting us at greenhouse.io forward slash belonging. Special thanks to our production partner, Wonder Media Network, their producer, Alana Herlins, and production assistants, Sarah Schleed and Lila Watts. And another shout out to our Greenhouse producer, Marnie Williams. Until next time. <laughs>